Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Hey, uh, we are starting a new series uh, starting today uh, that we're calling Rumors. And the idea comes on how do you see Jesus? What does it look like for you to have a right view of God? A.W. Tozer says the most important thing about you is how you see God. And so as we go into Easter, we just want to spend uh, this big seven-week chunk talking about the excellency of who Jesus is and spending time in what theologians would call Christology, where we're just talking about Christ. We're just fascinated, in love with, can't get enough of just talking about Jesus. And so uh, we created this series out of the idea that comes out of Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, who, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? So he asked the question, who do people say the son of man is? And they said, well, some say you are, and they just start listing Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah. And then Jesus flips the question and he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And so in these seven weeks, we just want to let the Holy Spirit ask us that question. And that's the great moment where Peter stands up and says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And, but I want us to just freeze right there. And I want us to just take the seven I am statements that we find in the gospel of John. So John gives us seven different statements that Jesus says about himself. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We're going to talk about that today. He's looking at them going, I'm, I, I'm what nourishes you. I am the light of the world. And then he says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, I am the vine. I am the resurrection and the life. That's where we're going to on Easter. I'm the resurrection and the life. And so we're just going to spend this seven-week series just feasting on who he is. We're just, the goal is to come to the end of each service during this season and just come at the end and go, Jesus, you are awesome. Jesus, I'm in love with you. Jesus, help me fall more in love with you. Let me know God. And so uh, that's kind of what this season is about. And so I know that it's a big, colorful uh, video bumper, but some of you, you, you got to know what the spiritual content is, right? We're going to go there and we're calling it rumors because there's a lot of people in our culture and throughout history. Jesus has been the most, uh, the person who has united more people, but the person that the most songs have been written about, the most books have been written about. So what unites people is Jesus and people got an opinion about who Jesus is. And of course, what we want to hit on is who do you say? Who do you say? What's the spiritual activity in your life? Who, who is Jesus and so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to uh, start with the I am the bread of life. Today, you can go there. Let's, uh, let's, let's actually, let's read that and then we'll pray. All right, John chapter 6. I'm going to just, we got a lot of Bible to read here. This, John chapter 6 is actually 71 verses. So we're not going to read the entire thing. I want us to go, um, let's go at least 10 verses here and then I'll read some more a little bit later. All right, here we go. It says this, uh, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered very, so let me give you context. So Jesus feeds the 5,000 early in chapter six, then Jesus walking on the water, all right, and, and calms the storm, 
Now the crowds are following him. Back to verse 26. She's answered, very truly I say to you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So Jesus is going after motive. He's saying, hey, you're not looking for me because of me. You're looking for me because I gave you some fish and bread, uh, because I gave you some food to eat. And then he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval. Verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? So they're talking labor. They're talking work language. What do I got to do? What do I got to do? And then of course, the good news of the gospel that Jesus responds to him, where he says, The work of God is this. Here's the labor. Here's the work. Here's what you got to do. Here's your grit. Here's what you have to do, he says, to believe. Isn't that beautiful? It's that it's to believe in the one he has sent. And so Jesus says, I'm the one that's done the work. Your job is to believe. So verse 30 says, so they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see, see it and believe you? Well, we'll believe if you do some more for us. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're talking about the manna. They're talking about when the Jewish people ate the wilderness. I ate the wilderness. (laughs) Welcome to church. (laughs) Woo! Ate the manna in the wilderness. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses. He corrects them here. He says this. It is not Moses who, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread. So Jesus compares himself to the manna from heaven. So, so my father gave you the bread. And now he's saying, my father's giving you an eternal bread. Now my father's giving you the bread that lasts forever. I am the bread of life. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives you and gives life to the world. So this is, I am, this is incarnation talk. This is, I'm the bread of life. I'm, I, there was some physical bread that came down from heaven, but now I, I, I'm, I'm the bread. Father sent me. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And here's what I want you to get. Then Jesus declared, It's the big I am statement in John 6. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the church said, yes. Yes. All right, good, good, good. Let's make sure we're together. All right. Verse 57, let me read a little bit more. I want you to see this idea. We're going to talk about eating, feasting, Jesus being our bread today, he is the bread of life. And in verse 57, it says this, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me, that's a big idea, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And then just a little bit further, I wanna go all the way down because I wanna juxtapose two different kinds of people that we see in John 6 here. 71 verses, it's a lot to read, but I will summarize it. Verse 66, this is how the John concludes the chapter. Look at this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I always remember this verse because it's John 6, 66. Woo! Anyway, all right. Not funny, but I thought it was. All right. <laughs> you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him. This is a great quote right here. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe. So he's responding to the language of belief. And he's saying, that's what we do. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One, the anointed one of God. 
And then Jesus replied, and so Jesus keeps going, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the 12, was later to betray him. Great ending verse for today, right there. One of you is a devil, Judas. <laughs> That's where we'll stop. <laughs> Father, we love you today. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would feast upon Jesus, that this language that you are what sustains us. You're the bread of life. We pray that we would be nourished, that we would be satisfied, that our great delights would be in Christ. We pray that even as Peter said, to whom shall we go? You alone have eternal life. We pray that that would be our confession today. And we pray that it would be renewed in us. We honor you and we love you. And Radiant Church said, amen. I grew up uh, singing this song, I have decided, wait, now that's how it goes. I have decided, to, that's the different. I, I have decided, thank you, that helped me, to follow, these cool people come along and mess up the old tunes, to follow Jesus, there it is. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. One of you just looked in there and was like, did we join children's church today? Yeah. <laughs> I grew up singing that song. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I remember singing that song thinking, well, why would you turn back? Like children's church, hearing it, no turning back. They flipped the little card around, no turning back. You know, you see the back says no turning back. And I remember that, I think, why would you turn back? And I think now when I read this text, I think whoever wrote that song was talking out of John 6 because that's the language that we have right here where it says in John 6, 66, right there, that many of the disciples turned back. Intriguing. Intriguing that Jesus comes to the end and right there, he starts talking to him about how I want you to feast or feed upon me. And he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And there's a whole lot of people that right there go, this was really good when we were getting free food. Now I don't intellectually understand what he's talking about. I'm turning back. I'm out of here. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then you've got even Judas right here. You've got the idea where Jesus says, there's another one that's going to turn back. It's one of you who's a devil. One of you's going to betray me. It's really interesting because there's a lot of language in John 6 about turning back. There's a lot of language about coming to Jesus, wanting something from him. And when Jesus doesn't give you what you want, you turn back. So even the concept earlier where he says, hey, some of you have come because you want, he says, you came because you want the loaves. You, you didn't come for me. You came because I gave you bread. And so there's actually inside of you this desire to come for me to get more free food. And there's lots of different examples of turning back. And I think it's good for us to just kind of dissect this and say, all right, that seems to be a massive kind of part of the narrative of John 6. It's this idea of people that place an expectation on Jesus, wanted something from him, and when he didn't deliver, I turned back. I, 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 when, when you don't give me what I want, <laughs> I'm out. Judas, you wait, you didn't do it like I expected. Hey, I really liked the free lunch, but now you want me to what? 
drink your blood, eat your body. This is, I'm out. I don't understand. You, you're not going to keep giving me what I want. I'm not going to get another free lunch. And I think it's interesting because when I'm just meditating on this, I'm thinking, if you're willing to step out and go listen to the teachings of this rabbi from Galilee, you're hungry for the teaching and you didn't come originally thinking that you were gonna get, be a part of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Of course, we think it might be 15 to 20,000 people there, but we say 5,000 because it was, it was men, but that's how they counted was just the men. But if you add women and children, maybe 15, maybe 20,000. So it's a massive crowd. And so when you go out, you don't know that he's gonna feed. You don't know that. You probably go out with a spiritual hunger, a spiritual desire, a good motive. But then when you get some free food, when you get some bread, you're like, let's keep the good thing going. This is what I want now. Let's, I'll take some of this. And this whole idea in John 6 is people that come to Jesus and have this expectation. There's a desire that I have. I want you to fulfill it. But by the end of the chapter, there's this confession that looks very different. Some people come to Jesus and they say, I have lots of these desires and I want Jesus to be the means to accomplish my end. So sometimes people come to Jesus and they'll say, hey, I want the good life. I want good family. I want uh, wealth. I want, and you'll, sometimes you'll even hear speakers, preachers say things like, hey, come to Jesus and you'll get the good life. You'll get some of the good stuff. The problem is, is that when you take that blessing and you put that as the motive, then you've got a problem because then you've got people coming to Jesus, not for Jesus, but because of the benefits of Jesus. They don't want the king. They want the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't want the king. And the only way that we're ever gonna actually end up in a healthy place is when we come before him and we don't come as consumers, but we come as disciples where we come before him and it's not, Jesus, here's my pre-salvation desires. You're the means for me to get all the desires, all that I've ever had, all that I've ever wanted. But instead, the idea of John 6 is that we come to Jesus and he transforms our desires so that he becomes our chief appetite. He becomes our chief desire. He becomes what we want. He becomes what we feast upon. And when that takes place, then maybe I didn't get a second lunch. Maybe Jesus taught something that I don't fully understand. Maybe I thought Jesus would come and overthrow the Romans. Maybe I thought things would be different, but I don't, I don't fully understand, but I'm not in this because of what I understand or to get what I can gain. I fully believe you alone have the words of eternal life. You alone are the Messiah. I am a disciple or Paul's language. I am a bond servant. I'm a slave by choice. I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back because I didn't get things that I wanted or it didn't get my way. I didn't get my way. Many people turn back because the moment they get a no, they're frustrated. The moment that they get that things don't turn out quite like they thought. And that's the moment where you find out, are you a consumer or are you a disciple? Are you in this 
I'm gonna follow Jesus no matter what. I'm in this because of who he is. I'm in this because he's God. I'm in this because he's the king. I, and and well, I lo- don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the benefits of the kingdom. I mean, I believe it. I'm telling you, I've experienced it. I've experienced it. I have lived in the, you're like, this preacher sings all the time. Sorry, yeah, I know. I have lived in the goodness of God. I love the goodness of God. I love, I love when God showers blessing, showers gifts. And these disciples, they got a lot of that. I mean, they got to experience Jesus walking on the water. Peter got to walk on water for a little while. They got to experience, I mean, not just fish and bread. They got to experience, I mean, Peter could have told you, hey, there's a pretty cool moment on Matthew 17, Mount of Transfiguration, where I got to meet Moses and Elijah. Not bad day. They could have told you, hey, we saw the blind eyes open. There's a lot of benefits. There's there's a moment where I went fishing and some coins came out of a fish's mouth. Like um, there's a whole lot of good things my, our, our names are on the foundation stones of the eternal city. Like, woo, there's a lot of blessing, but we, we, didn't, we didn't follow Jesus so that he could increase our wealth, our status. We follow Jesus because you are the Messiah. You are the only one who has the words of eternal life. And here's, here's the, the secret to transitioning, secret. Here's the key. Here's an ingredient. Here's here's some revelation in John 6 that helps us transition from being spiritual consumers where Jesus is just the means to accomplish my end to Christian disciples. The whole avenue, how do I get there? How do I go from being one of the people that would have just turned back when I didn't get what I wanted? Or like a Judas. I mean, it's hard for us to compare ourselves to Judas, but welcome to church, right? Like, Whew. How, 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 it's, it's, it's real simple. It's the transformation of desires where what my desire is, is no longer central about me, but Jesus is my chief appetite. Jesus is what I feed upon. Jesus' desires have become my desires. So I decide to follow Jesus and then what he wants causes me to come alive. And so I start to think about how he wants righteousness and holiness, how he wants relationship with me, how he wants my family to know God, how he wants there to be local churches planted across the world. And when I see 900 churches, and, and my temptation is to mostly think about me and my desires and how Jesus can help me accomplish my vision for my life and my goals. And it's very easy to use Jesus, especially in a culture like America, where you're taught to be a consumer every single day, to just go ahead and just take Jesus and use the Jesus idea to get my dreams, my goals, what I want. But this whole idea of Christianity is this, that we surrender our lives or this step that Jesus says, believe. But here's the work, here's the labor, not what you do. Here's the step, believe. And because you believe, then you feast on me. Your desires, your affections, your longings, what you care about changes. And I'm telling you, when you get that, not only is that what it means to start to become a disciple and, 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 and step out of being a consumer, but actually your desires get enhanced. Actually, your desires grow. Actually, what makes life awesome is Jesus. So I wanna just just camp out on this for a minute because I wanna talk about Jesus being the bread of life. And if you will feast on him, if you will 
spend time, that, that feasting, it's a metaphor, it's a picture. So it's hard to preach a sermon about a sermon because this is Jesus preaching a sermon and he's using bread as an illustration. So it's hard to use illustrations of his illustrations, but that's what I'm trying to do. And, and, but, but at the core, what he's saying is, is like, if you'll feast, if you'll eat, if you'll take me in, if, you'll, if, 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 if we'll become one, if you'll abide, if you'll hang out with me, if, if what I care about is what you, what you take in, what you feast on, what you eat, transformation starts to take place. And Jesus doesn't restrain your desire, he fulfills it. So some people think, well, if I come to Jesus, I give Jesus my life and I become a disciple, then all these desires that I have, I just have to go back burner. And I live this miserable life where I'm trying to just not operate on my desires. But Christianity is not restraining desires. Christianity is desires transformed. It's, it's, it's the, the, the sanctification, the transformation, holy desire growing inside of you. So instead of, instead of pulling back my desires, I have stronger desires towards Christ. And it's what Christ wants and his desire growing inside of me. And when you read, I mean, when you read New Testament authors, and they're talking about longing. They're talking about laying their life down. They're talking about Jesus, these strong desires. It's God at work. They're just like us. They start off living, I'm the center. But then Christ does a work inside of you and you start to care about what he cares about. Transformation starts to take place and he transforms your desires. All of us have desires. All of us, but, and, you, and you will chase down your appetites. All of us do. It's just, what's that chief desire? What's, what's the number one? We, uh, when we had Sean Foyt here, uh, he uh, said, I'd like to go to uh, Q39 on 39th Street when, I'm, when I come to Kansas City. And I said, that's awesome. And we got there. I took him there. And um, it was a Saturday night. And he was going to lead worship here the next day. And when we got there, it was like a two-hour wait. And um, I said, Sean, hey, um, tell you what, this is a long wait let's go to the Plaza Cheesecake Factory and not have a long wait. This is a really long wait. And he looks back at me with rage. <laughs> like, not like, oh yeah, that's logical. I thought it was logical. Hey, listen. Here's what he said. In any town in America, I can get Cheesecake Factory, but only in Kansas City. Okay, that's the first amen I've got from you all day. All right, only in Kansas City. <laughs> can I get Q39? And there's this, whoa, when I am here, I am chasing down this desire. I, I got this appetite for Q. I do not come to Kansas City for cheesecake. I come to Kansas City for barbecue, right? It's, and I'm just going to chase it down. I'm going after it. You have appetites. All of us have them, right? I, I took uh, my boy Dawson with me uh, when he was five to speak at a, uh, a church in Austin, which I'm a Sooner fan, so even going to Austin was like going into the enemy's camp, and I wasn't even sure what I thought about Austin. But anyway, um, just kidding. Sorry, bad joke. And then, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but on our way back, we had a quick layover in, in Houston Airport where there is my favorite restaurant called Papa Do's. And, um, and so I got a five-year-old little boy, and we had a very quick uh, layover, and I said to him, Doss, get ready to run like you've never run before. <laughs> Not because it's going to be so hard to just make our connecting flight, but because we are going to run all the way to the other end in August 
in Houston to get Papados. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm taking, I've got this, I, I didn't say this, but here's what I was saying. I have an appetite that I'm going to chase down at any cost, right? And so we are running, we run all the way there. As we're coming back to our flight to connect, to get back to Denver, I hear this, uh, Mr. Perkins, uh, you know, it's, it's like they're calling you over the speaker, passenger David Perkins. And then it's, as we got on, we're the last ones. They close the door right behind us. We slip into our two seats. I look at my five-year-old little boy who was wearing flip-flops <laughs> and his feet are a little raw and he's like so just drenched in sweat. <laughs> and I pulled out jumbo shrimp and I looked at him and I said, worth it. And he looked at me and just kind of like, Dad, you know, you alone, you alone have food that I know not of, right? It's better than I can imagine, right? Here's the idea. It's, you're, it's not a question on if you're going to chase down appetites. You have appetites. You will chase them down. It's this question of, will you allow feasting on Jesus to transform your appetites to where he's what you care about. Because then you just, it changes everything. Then instead of talking about prayer meetings as the mundane, boring meeting you have to do because you've signed up to be a Christian, you're looking at prayer meetings going, come on, every time I pray, it matters. Changes the world, let's go. Yeah, but there's a brand new series out on Netflix. That's good but I got a better bread. <laughs> I'm making this up as I go. I got a better bread. I got something that's better. You with me? And it's this, it's the secret, the secret to getting to this place of discipleship is not gritting your teeth and signing up again. It's feasting. It's eating. It's abiding. It's getting close to Jesus and you watch the slow transformation of your desires to where what he wants is what you want. What he desires is what you desire. And one of the things I've found is that oftentimes when you're in the darkest moment of your life, when you're in the wilderness season, is the time that you start to come before him and go, I need you now more than ever. And some of you, that's you today. You're in a, in a wilderness and your temptation is to just work harder and just make, the, make it be about you. But I want to invite you to look towards God. I want to invite you to look towards Jesus. Let him, let, let, let him become what satisfies you in an increased way. As we go into this Easter, taking these weeks and letting Jesus be central, what you think about, what you talk about. You may be temporarily satisfied without Jesus, but you won't stay satisfied. Here's what I mean by that. All of us know that there is a degree of temporal, short-term satisfaction in the buffet of appetites, longings, addictions, things that the world has to offer. And Hebrews makes that clear. I mean, Hebrews says that there's the, the short-term pleasures of this life, right? There's that, that, I know that, you know that. This is not saying that those things are not really pleasures or those things are not really appetites that satisfy. They can satisfy, they can satisfy but it's short-term. It's not forever. So the only eternal satisfaction comes from Christ. And so it, you're always gonna hit 
a dead end. There's, there, there may be a, a something that you pursue as your chief appetite for a season, but it never has the capacity to sustain your hunger. You're made to walk in relationship with God. It's why you exist. And when you feast, sup with, have Jesus be what nourishes you, over time, it transforms you. And he's not only the bread in this life, but he's the bread in eternal life. He's the eternal bread. He's the bread that came down from heaven. And so in the same way that Jesus talks back when they talk manna talk and Jesus says, hey, listen, that manna, that didn't come from Moses, that came from my father, which I love that. He's just correcting him like, you, you, think, you think my father's good because he gave the people in the wilderness, the Israelites in the wilderness, daily bread? Oh, think about how awesome that was. You guys are like, bread? I don't even do bread. I'm carb free. I hate bread. <laughs> What's this sermon even mean? Listen, it's part of the problem with this because bread in our day doesn't look the same as this day. Jesus is here. Bread was their food. These are poor people and bread is their meal, right? You know what this is? This is like daily Papados. This is like daily Q39. This is good stuff right here, right? This is like Jesus saying, hey, you poor have nothing in the wilderness. You get up out of your tent and God gives you manna from heaven. God gives you, we read about this in Exodus. God gives you daily bread. And what he's doing is he's building trust. You can depend on me. I'll take care of you. And if you're the Israelites, you're going, God is so good. God is taking care of me every day. And Jesus looks at these people and he says, you think that's good? You think the father that gave daily crusted manna from heaven is good? What about the eternal bread that's come down from heaven, the incarnation, come down from heaven. I am the eternal bread. I'm the bread of life. It's the word zoe. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not, the Greek word there is not a Greek word bios, which is like, we think of like, like physical life. It's fulfilling life. It's zoe. It's life. It's John 10, 10. It's abundant life. It's life to the full. I, I've come down, I've given you something better than man in the wilderness. It's me. Feast on me. And it will sustain you. And he's going, you don't even, and you know what I found in my own, in my own life? I don't know where you're at today, but when you feel like you're in the wilderness, when you feel like you've, you've got, you've, you're at the moment where nothing else satisfies, that often is the moment where you have the greatest possibility of being nourished on Jesus as your bread. Because all the other competitors have quieted down and you come before him and you just come before him and go like, like, a, like, a, like in the wilderness, I need you. And he goes, I'll be your bread. I'll be your drink. I'll, you can trust me. I'll be close to you. I have found in my own life when I go through transitions, it's been the seasons that I've found him to be my nourishment, my feast. I remember my freshman year of college, just having a song. <laughs> you're like, song, you're gonna sing again? <laughs> I just, I just, I'll never forget just singing this song. I mean, I know this is hard, 1990s, Vineyard. And I know 
for some of you that are like hipster millennials, this doesn't sound anointed, but this was anointed in the 90s. <laughs> and I used to just drive in my 91 red Mustang and just sing, draw me close to you, never let me go. You're all I want, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed, you're all I want. Help me know you are near. And just being like daily bread. I come before you. Right now, the chief appetite that I have is you. And these other things, they don't sustain, but you sustain. And I can trust you. And as you were good to the children in the wilderness by sending Father, by sending daily bread, now the Father sent his son, Jesus, for you, and you can trust him. You can trust Jesus. You say, no, 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 no. I don't understand. Hold on a second. This is faith. Just like there were people then that said, I don't understand why you didn't give me a second meal. I don't understand why you don't just defeat the Romans. I don't understand I understand this whole eat my flesh, drink my blood thing, I'm out. We hear that all the time. I don't understand. How can you believe in a God of love and believe in an eternal punishment? How, how can you believe in suffering? How, how can you believe that a book contains the word of God? And as there were people then, there are people now that go, I'm gonna turn back. I, 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 I don't believe. Jesus says, hey, here's, here's how you labor. Here's how you work. Do the hard work of belief. There's many of you today that that's your first step is I, I guess I'm not the savior of the world. I guess I can't save myself. I guess... I guess that my next step in my spiritual journey is to believe. And here's what will happen. You step into this relationship with Jesus and then you start to feast on him. You start to, it's this language of relationship. It's to take him in. It's I want what you want. And whatever you feed upon, you will develop an appetite for. And as you feed on Jesus, you'll watch your desire what you want to chase down, the appetite for Christ grows. Sometimes when you're hanging around 75-year-olds, they've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. That's why it's, I just love hanging out with my dad. He's just, my dad calls um, his time alone with Jesus. He calls it meeting with Jesus. And that's his bread and his drink. He wrote a book about it. I'll probably like make a YouTube video, but. He wrote this book, Meeting with Jesus, about spending time with God each day. Another friend of mine, he, time, he talks about his time alone with God each day. He calls it his daily manna. He just takes the language out of John 6. And I just wanna encourage you as we go into this Easter season to get alone with him, to be with him. Daily manna, meeting with Jesus and have authentic relationship. Jesus you are not the means to my end where I'm gonna try to use Jesus to get my goals, baby. No, no, no. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. Though, I was talking to a, a man in, recently and he said, David, I came to Jesus as an adult and the thing I wanted more than anything was for my children to follow Jesus. He said, two of my children do, two of them don't. And he said, and I've been angry at God, been so mad. And then I had a realization that I actually decided to become a Christian so that my kids would get a better life and a different life than I did. And I realized I didn't come to Jesus for Jesus, I came to Jesus for me. And I put my head on the steering wheel and I said, Jesus, if my children don't get what I'm asking, I'm in, I surrender. Your Lord, I'm not. I don't give my life to you so that I can get what I want. I give my life to you because you are the Messiah. You are the one, the eternal life. You are the bread of life. You are the king. And he said, and that was the moment where I really came to Jesus. And the cool part is years later, all four kids walk with Jesus, but there's a difference because now he's going, I have decided. And I look back and I just can't help but get some blessings. <laughs> it's amazing. He's a good, good father. He loves to give good, good gifts. We should write that song, Katie. He gives good, good gifts, right? Like he's good. But I don't follow him for the good life. So I get what I want. I follow him. You alone have words of eternal life. You are the Christ, the son of the living. Where else should we go? What other appetite can compare? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine those crowds? Imagine them today if we were to have a conversation. Imagine the regret. Oh yeah, I was one of the ones. I didn't get what I wanted. I wanted more loaves. Jesus said he was only gonna give me one meal I checked out. Ah! You missed out because of bread and fish? Judas, you missed out <laughs> because of 30 pieces of silver? Oh, our sadness if we miss out because we wanted the house, because we wanted retirement, because we wanted a little better life. Don't. This is our chance. You are the Messiah. You are God. You sustain me. You're my bread. You're my drink. You're my chief appetite. And if I'm going to chase anything, I'm chasing Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's bow your heads. Let's pray together. Jesus, be our magnificent obsession. Jesus, be our bread and our drink. Jesus, you're our bread. You're our feast. Just take a moment. Would you just tell Jesus, I belong to you. Help me to feast on you. Sustain me. 
be my chief appetite, my chief hunger. You're my bread in the wilderness. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. Help me know you are near. I love you, God. Today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you just want to surrender and be a disciple. This isn't the only thing you need to say in your walk with Jesus, but this is a great start. Jesus, I surrender. Be the Lord of my life. I give you everything. Have your way in me. I give you all. I want to follow you. You can have it all. You're worthy of my whole life. I want to spend eternity with you. You're my bread in my 70, 80, 90 years on planet Earth, and you're my bread in eternity. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.